This is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, October 24th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from the Sarah Abbott Studios in Bristol, Connecticut is Sarah Abbott. Taylor Schwenk is working from the Schwenk Studios in the foothills of Connecticut. And I'm Buster Olney. Uh, Did you guys hear that sound last night after the Yankees lost to the Astros? They're still howling, Buster. I can They're hear still from howling. It's a sound of the Yankee fans howling for change. You guys, what do you think? Is it going to be an offseason of absolute nuttiness, Taylor? I think so. I mean, uh, who was it last week that said that we were watching the turnover of the Yankees roster at like the worst possible time? So, I mean, there's definitely they need big changes on the roster, you know, and if they keep Aaron Boone around, like, I don't think that's a bad move. And if they got rid of him, I think that would be fine, too, honestly. But I don't think it's like you went to the ALCS, like get a grip, everyone. Like there's changes to be made. They've got plenty of cash. Like I know the Aaron Judge thing is looming over them all, but. I mean, get it together. It's going to be fine. You're the you're the dang Yankees. You're going to be competitive next year. What else could you ask for? Sarah, what do you think? I think everyone needs to just take a deep breath and let it out. You have Aaron Judge. You probably will get him again. It's going to be okay. I promise. Actually, I can't make promises, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're just happy that Miles Teller is going to be shown constantly during the World Series. We'll get to that later. All right. Last night in Philadelphia, the Padres, the Phillies, game five of the National League Championship Phillies uh, series. The Padres trying to get the series back to San Diego. They were down three games to one in the series, bottom of the third inning, and this happened again. Swing. Hoskins, the green light, and on 3-0, he deposits it into the stands over the left field wall. That was Boog Shambi on ESPN Radio with that call. Now the Padres would come back, top of the fourth inning. The 1-0. Swing and a ball hammered, right center field, and you can forget that one. Way back and gone, and the Padres are on the board. Another hard hit ball from Juan Soto. This one leaves the park, and deep into the stands, might have made the bullpen of the Philadelphia Phillies, and now it's 2-1. Now, the rain was coming down really hard during the course of this game. The Padres tied the score in the top of the seventh inning before this happened. The 2-2. Inside, it gets past Rio Muto. Here comes a Zocar, and he scores. It's a wild pitch, and the Padres have taken the lead. 3-2. Sir Anthony Dominguez, a wild pitch, and San Diego has the lead. And that teed up one of the best moments in this postseason. Bottom of the eighth inning, Bryce Harper at the plate, a runner on base. Here's how Boog Shambi called it on ESPN Radio. And at first, the 2-2. Swing and a high fly ball. Left field. That one is back. Gone! Bryce Harper! It's a two-run homer, and the Phillies have the lead, 4-3. Harper delivers. Here's what it sounded like in the top of the ninth inning. Ranger Suarez trying to close out a game for the first time in his career. The Phillies by a run. Nola at the plate, 0 for 3. Suarez and the pitch. Swing and a ball popped up. Shallow right field, Segura going out, coming on, Castellanos, he's got it, 
and the Phillies are going to the World Series. The Philadelphia Phillies with a late homer from Bryce Harper winning 4-3, and they're the champions of the National League. And after Castellanos caught the ball, Jesse Rogers caught up with him on the field. Nick, you're going to the World Series for the first time in your career. How does it feel right now? Incredible. I can't really describe it with words right now. It's just, it's unbelievable. Honestly, it doesn't feel real yet. Right. It will take me in the dugout in the bottom of the eighth when Harper hits that ball to left center. So I can't take you to the dugout because I was on the on-deck circle. Right. <laughs> but I mean, right man, right spot, all the confidence in the world in him. You know, he's been so locked in since postseason baseball started. And again, like, he delivered. Tell me about the Phillies' journey. You go to spring training, there's a manager change, lots of ups and downs, and you end up in the World Series. As the old saying goes, the cream rises to the top. Even with all the adversity that we faced, with all the injuries that we had, we're still standing. We got four more left. How excited are you to be in New York or Houston later in the week? How excited? Uh, I'm excited. Nick, congrats. Padres manager Bob Melvin was asked after the game about his use of Josh Hader with a lot of people wondering why he didn't bring him in to face uh, Harper in that moment. Yeah, we were going to look for four outs. We were trying to split it up with with Ian and Suarez. Um, but look, we got a lot of a lot of confidence in Suarez. Came in, did a great job the inning before. Um, you know, we just just fell a little bit short there. A big step forward this year for the Padres, and Melvin was asked about what his team accomplished. Uh, it's tough right now. I mean, that one stings. You know, we've been so good about putting games away late. Suarez has been unbelievable. I think it's the first home run he's given up to a lefty all year. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it was tough even talking to the group there for a little bit. So, at the end of the day, I mean, we expected to go farther, so it's disappointing. Um, I think we'll probably take stock a little bit later and evaluate the year, but right now it's tough to do. Later in the podcast, we're going to be talking with Scott Fransky, the play-by-play man for the Phillies uh, on WIP, and we'll get his view of what happened in this series and how dangerous the Phillies are moving forward. The Yankees and the Astros played game four of the American League Championship Series in Yankee Stadium on Sunday, and early on it was looking good for the Yankees. The 2-1, and there's a swing and a base hit into left field as he crosses up the defense. In to score is Kinder Falefa, judge around to third, sliding into second is Rizzo as the throw is offline from Alvarez. And the Yankees now lead three to nothing. Dan Schulman on ESPN Radio. In the top of the third inning, however, Nestor Cortez uh, was struggling with his delivery. You could tell he wasn't really powering through. He began to lose the strike zone. Jeremy Pena came to the plate. Now the left-hander has his sign. Kicks and fires, and it's swung on and hit high in the air to deep left field. Going to back is Cabrera, and this ball is gone! Jeremy Pena launches one into the seats in left, and just like that, the Houston Astros have tied the game at three. And they would take the lead in the top of the third. The 1-1, and a swing and a bouncer through the open right side, a base hit. Alvarez in to score, Tucker up to second. Just a two-hopper through the hole on the right side, and the Astros have a 4-3 lead. So the Yankees would tie the score, and then in the 
bottom of the sixth inning, Harrison Bader, who's been so good for the Yankees in this postseason, came to the plate again. And the pitch swung on and hit to deep left by Bader. And it is going to go! Harrison Bader with yet another home run. His fifth in the postseason. And the Yankees have taken a 5-4 to four lead. And they would carry that lead into the top of the seventh inning. Look, we talked all year about how the Yankees' defense has been better during the course of 2022. Well, in a moment in the top of the seventh inning, it was pivotal. And the one-two again, and a swing and a ground ball out to second. Torres throws it past Kiner Falefa, and it bounces into shallow left. Everybody is safe. Altuve at second, and Pena at first. And the rally continued. And the pitch, and a swing, and a line drive dropping into right field for a base hit. Pena will come in to score, Alvarez to second. And a fired-up Alex Bregman has given the Astros a 6-5 to lead. Here's what it sounded like in the bottom of the ninth inning. The 1-2 pitch and a swing and a ground ball back to the mound. Presley has it. He feeds Gurriel at the bag. And the Houston Astros are heading to the World Series for the fourth time in the last six seasons. The celebration is on on the infield as a dejected Aaron Judge makes his way down the steps into the Yankee dugout. The Astros are celebrating. They are a perfect 7-0 in the postseason this year, and they have won the American League pennant, Eddie, for the fourth time in six seasons. That was a great call, of course, from Dan Schulman. Jeremy Pena was named the MVP of the ALCS and he spoke with Marley Rivera. Jeremy, first of all, congratulations in so many ways. Tell me, what does this moment feel like? You're going to the World Series. I mean, it's surreal. It's surreal. You know, this is what we dream about as kids. And uh, yeah, we're, uh, we know we still got work to do, but we're going to enjoy this. Well, not only that, you've contributed. You've been a star for your team in your rookie postseason. What has it been like to be able to contribute when some guys like Jose Altuve barely has two hits this postseason? I mean, those guys bring more than just their performance on the field. You know, they bring their energy to the clubhouse every single day, and you just gravitate towards that, and, you know, they give me all the confidence in the world. Jeremy, what has allowed you to do this, to have that confidence of a veteran this postseason? Like I said, these guys give me all the confidence in the world. You know, they let me play. They told me, hey, just go out there, play a game, and let everything else take care of itself. Most importantly, today was that Albert Pujols' brand-new bat. Is that the one that you're going to keep the rest of the postseason? I think I found the one. I found the one. That's the one. What kind of message do you have for the people out there who may be booing the Astros today? You guys are not, you know, like America's favorite team. What's the message of what you can do against the Philadelphia Phillies, a very hot team right now? I mean, you know, we're just going to keep playing, playing for each other and, you know, playing for the fans that want to support us, you know, and uh, we're going to focus on the positive. We're going to focus on the people that actually root for us. And, yeah, we're going to keep showing up. Congratulations, Jeremy. Thank you. Aaron Judge talked about losing multiple times in the postseason during his career. Well, it's, it's never fun, but I think it'll definitely make, you know, when we finally get there and secure this thing, I think it'll make it a lot sweeter going through the, the tough times like this, that's for sure. By the way, in that moment, Taylor, did you hear him use the word we and the yes. reference to the future, referring mm-hmm. to the Yankees? Mm-hmm. My ears definitely perked up. Yep, that's interesting. He was asked if he's given any thought about what's next. Of course, Judge headed to free agency. Uh, <laughs> 
not not at all. Not yet. Not yet. We got uh, I got I got plenty of time to figure that out. Did you spend any time today thinking about how this could be the last game home game for you here? No. Take anything in? No, not at all. Not at all. I try to go out there and do my job and you know, help this team win. And um, I really didn't. I really didn't think of it. Like what about after it was over? Uh, it, it happened so quick. You don't really, you know, have time to soak much in. Here's Yankees manager Aaron Boone talking about Judge. Just an incredible season and. You know, someone that I've grown close with and just admire and respect. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see him in pinstripes for a long time. I don't even want to think about the alternative right now. Um, but, he, you know, he's, he means a lot to a lot of us in that room. Taylor, what else you got? CJ McCollum's show, a new podcast here at ESPN. Uh, CJ McCollum, the star of the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. He's joining us once a week to uh, talk about life in the NBA, storylines, players, all that. You can follow the CJ McCollum show wherever you listen to podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employees agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash buster. That's indeed.com slash buster. Just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Get great deals and the hottest tickets. Experience it live. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirkson covers baseball for ESPN. Tim, how you doing this morning? Well, I'm well, Buster. Um... I'm a little surprised we're done after four and five games, but um, it's the beauty of postseason baseball. October's like no other month, and uh, it has been a raucous month, to say the least. Yeah, uh, a lot of surprises, and I think in one case, not a surprise at all. Um, and, and look, we're going to get to the aftermath with the Yankees, which is going to be a big topic this week, I think, in the in the baseball media because of Aaron Judge's status, because we don't know how Steinbrenner will react to this quick exit for the Yankees. But I, I always feel like you got to give credit to the teams that that move on. Let's start with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, 
look, they, they essentially coming into this postseason, they were the 12th seed, right? Uh, this was a team that I think at the outset of the postseason, I'm sure nobody picked in our group at ESPN to move on to go to the World Series. What's going on? What's happened? Well, something's going on there, Buster. I saw it during the Brave series. I saw them four straight games, and some some things are starting to happen there. Ground balls going right to Jake Cronenworth of the Padres hits the bag and goes into center field. My dad used to used to tell me that. When things start to happen, weird things start to happen to a team, you have to start to pay attention. Maybe something is going on there. Maybe the baseball gods have something to do with this, and that is the case with the Phillies. I love being around that team. The camaraderie is tremendous. They've they've fixed the bullpen. They've fixed the defense. And they've got the best hitter in baseball, at least right now, in the middle of the order in Bryce Harper. Um, I really like the way that team plays. They play for the manager. They all love him. I'm not suggesting they're going to beat the Astros, but um, I'm not surprised they beat the Padres. And I shouldn't even have been surprised they beat the Braves. Not with the way they've been playing so far and not with the energy and the atmosphere they have in their home ballpark. It is tremendous. So maybe the moment we should have known something was going on. Remember when Nick Castellanos made that incredible sliding catch down in Atlanta? You're like, there's no way he catches that. There's no, oh, my God, he caught it. And right. It feels like we've seen that time and again with them in this postseason. Yes, there have been multiple moments where you just kind of shake your head and go, okay, I need to pay attention here because something special is going on. And it is a team that won 87 games is going to the World Series, and sorry for all those who think it's bad that 87 goes. I think it's good for the game that 87 goes to the World Series. It just speaks again to the ultimate beauty of the game. is It's mystery, it's unpredictability, things like this. 12 seed cannot beat the Warriors, cannot beat Jordan's Bulls in the playoffs. They can't, but this is what happens in baseball, and I think it's glorious that it does. All right, let's. I want to break down the Phillies in, in terms of two units that they have. One with their offense. This is what we expected, right? This is what Dave Dombrowski expected when he signed Schwarber. He signed Nick Castellanos. He thought teams all year were going to bludgeon other clubs, and that really didn't come together until this October. And, and you know, Bryce Harper is that good. Like this is the Bryce Harper that we've known, who's evolved and now has all this experience. That incredible plate appearance last night. That's who the Phillies, we thought they were going to be in terms of their offense. Right, and they have a deep lineup now. Gene Segura hits eighth for this team. Bryson Stott's a good player buster. He can hit. He hits seventh for this team. But Harper is the man in the middle of the order. He had 419 in the postseason. He's got five homers, 11 RBIs, 11 extra base hits, and 11 hits to the opposite field. And that is cannon shot last night he just tore a hole in the sky in a situation where you just say to yourself this is where Bryce Harper is supposed to hit a two-run homer and take his team to the World Series I mean that just doesn't happen very often but it's just another reminder he is an elite player he has been his entire career and last night was the biggest moment of his career, the biggest home run of his career, and one of the greatest home run slash moments in the history of the Phillies. So you remember when Bryce Harper was 15 years old. He's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It felt like that Scott Boris, we knew Scott Boris was going to represent him from the time he was like 12, right? Uh, we talked a lot about his potential free agency, leaving the national service time. 
If you had told me Bryce Harper would be uh, at the heart and soul of another franchise the way that he is, the Phillies, after becoming a free agent, I would have been, I would have laughed. No way. But to see the way he's embraced uh, this city and the way the city's embraced him is really cool. Yeah, I'll never forget that Davey Johnson told me once that he went to Bryce Harper early on in Harper's career and said, Bryce, look, man, you're great, and I don't want to take any aggressiveness away from you, but you have to start to enjoy playing the game a little bit more, meaning his intensity was so high that every out just crushed him. I'm telling you, Buster, he is a different guy. I had several long chats with him during the postseason, and he is so relaxed about who he is and where he is that it was no surprise that he did what he did last night. And go look at that replay again. Instead of, like, screaming and yelling all the way to first base and then getting to the dugout and celebrating like a like a 15-year-old should have, he was the most mature guy on the field just to say, almost as if to say to his teammates, that was what I was supposed to do. That is why they brought me here. And I, I think that that scene uh, during and after that home run kind of personifies who Bryce Harper is and why the Phillies are in such good shape with him as the team leader and the guy in the middle of the order. And another big reason why, I think maybe the biggest reason why the Phillies have ascended in this postseason is that bullpen. You touched on it. You know, they were 23rd out of 30 teams in the ERA during the regular season. But we've seen this time and again with bullpens. I mentioned in the past in the podcast, the Washington Nationals in 2019, they were terrible in the first half uh, for a lot of the season with their bullpen. And then and it got to October, and Daniel Hudson and others, they were terrific. I look at what the bullpen is doing for the Phillies now, Tim. That, to me, is the biggest surprise. What do you think? There's no doubt. Jose Alvarado, for instance, has been overpowering. Sinker at 100 miles an hour. And Brian Snicker, the Braves manager, told me during that series, he's the difference in that team. He wasn't this good in May, but he is now, and he is a devastating force late in the game. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, going into yesterday when he gave up a hit and gave up a run, had faced 22 batters in the postseason, retired 20 of them, 13 by a strikeout, and was throwing 100 miles an hour again. And, you know, Zach Eflin has given them somebody else to go to late in games. And David Robertson got the, got a, an out last night he needed. And then Ranger Suarez came in, a starting pitcher <laughs> who has n- no heartbeat whatsoever, meaning he's the calmest guy of all time and got the final two outs on two pitches. That, that's, that Philadelphia bullpen is the biggest reason that they are where they are because they weren't expected to be this good, and now they are. All right, congratulations to the Phillies. They are the nationally representative in the World Series, and they will face the Houston Astros, Tim, who absolutely dominated the Yankee series. You know, there's so much uh, written today in New York, so much conversation about what's wrong with the Yankees. Tim, I didn't even think these two teams were close going into the series, and the gap between them felt like it was even greater than we thought. What did you see? Yeah, there's they played a couple of close games, but there there's no doubt that the Astros are demonstrably better right now than the Yankees, and it's all because of their pitching buster. Look, we're in a pitching-rich era, but it is absurd how good the pitching is for the Astros. They don't have one average pitcher on their team. Every one of them is above average. 
They held the Yankees to a 162 average and struck out 50 batters in four games. They struck out 35% of the Yankee hitters. The bullpen is as good as the rotation, and it's a spectacular rotation. The bullpen had 42 strikeouts in 33 innings in the postseason. They don't even have a left-hander in the bullpen, and it doesn't matter because Ryan Presley comes out throwing that slider and that curveball spinning everything, and nobody can hit him. They can't hit Abreu. They can't hit half the guys in that bullpen. It is so, so impressive. And for the Astros to be undefeated in the postseason, with until last night, Jordan Alvarez really hadn't done a whole lot other than the walk-off homer and what he did last night. Jose Altuve had an 0 for 25. The depth of that lineup, the depth of that pitching is just breathtaking to watch. And the left side of the infield. You know, Alex Bregman... Since opposing managers began to look at Jordan Alvarez as somebody they didn't want to, you know, mess with, and they began to pitch around him, Alex Bregman has fully taken advantage of it. He's absolutely stepped up. And how about Jeremy Pena? You know, you and I have talked about all the turnover with the Astros through the years, you know, from 2015. uh, And, you know, Jeremy Pena being the latest example of it, they move on from Carlos Correa, who's arguably the, the best shortstop in baseball now, and Jeremy Payne comes in. He's not only does he hold down the position defensively, but boy, he's been difference making offensively in this postseason. Yeah, we knew he was uh, he was going to be fine defensively. I was told he was ready two years ago to play shortstop defensively in the big leagues. But I don't think anybody saw this kind of production coming. You know, he hit the 18th inning homer to beat the Mariners, and then he won the uh, LCS MVP because of the three-run homer he hit last night, which, of course, was the biggest hit of that game because it got the Astros back in it. He is poised. He is calm. I can't believe he's just a rookie with the way he's played. And now we're going to the World Series, Buster, with two rookie shortstops. This is, again, just another reason why baseball is so good. You got to pick for the World Series? You got to pick the Astros, right? You have to pick the Astros. I have to pick the Astros. They haven't lost yet, and their pitching is tremendous, and they they have four home games to three for the Phillies. But I, I have to tell you one more time, there is something going on in Philadelphia. I have seen it up close. I have seen it from a distance. Do not underestimate the Phillies, but my goodness, that that Houston pitching is sensational. Yeah, we haven't mentioned the fans either, right? With the crowd, oh, you know how crazy that is. You know, tremendous. to hear the players talk about how they feel like that that was eventually, inevitably going to manifest in the Padres series, pretty cool. All right. Uh, let's talk about what's to come for the New York Yankees. Uh, you know, I, I was on Get Up this morning, and they asked me, you know, what I thought was going to happen. Is Aaron Boone going to get fired? You know, Brian Cashman. Uh, what's going to happen with Aaron Judge? Tim, I do think this that there's going to be a postseason failure tax that Hal Steinbrenner, the owner of the Yankees, is going to have to pay. I don't think it'll be with Aaron Boone. Uh, I know this; they think he's a good manager. They just won 99 games, and, you know, in full disclosure. We, of course, worked with Aaron Boone. I worked with him on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, you know, there certainly were moments during the postseason, as he acknowledged in his press conference before game four, that you can have an argument whether or not he should have gone to Loisaga, uh after he took Garrett Cole out in game three. But the bottom line is I don't think that Aaron Boone wasn't not the difference between the, the Yankees winning or losing that series or getting blown out for that matter. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
the the Astros are just better than the Yankees, and Aaron Boone didn't have much to do with that at all, and I don't think he will be or should be fired. However, they, they have a lot of work to do on that team because if you're the Yankees, just winning the division again isn't good enough. If you can't beat the Astros, who just eliminated them for the fourth time, you have to find a way to beat the Astros, and I'm just not sure you're going to beat them with the team that you have now. So you got to re-sign Judge somehow, some way, not going to be easy. And then you got to make some decisions. Who's our second baseman? Who's our shortstop? Who's our third baseman? Who are we going to play in center field every day? I think they got to get Benintendi, LeMayhew back, healthy. Their pitching is fine, but they have a lot of work to do to get to the level of the Astros. And it's going to take a big offseason to make that change. Yeah, and I think where the tax that I mentioned, the postseason failure tax is going to manifest is in the judge negotiations. Uh, We know that the Yankees, really since George Steinbrenner uh, moved out of power, they haven't gone in fully flexor muscles uh, financially necessarily in bidding for players. I I think this is a case where they need to take the gloves off and do whatever it takes with Aaron Judge. Um, And I, you know, go to a place where they're not comfortable. They were comfortable with a seven-year, $213.5 million offer. Uh, Does that mean that they're going to push it to an eighth year? Does that mean they're going to make him the highest paid position player, give him, you know, just a, a shade over what Mike Trout is making? Yeah, I think they have to do that. And I think they also have to assess uh, some of the you know question question uh, questionable issues in their lineup, like Josh Donaldson. You know he's an older player. If they were to move on from him, it would be expensive. But I think it's a fair question to ask: What is he going to give them going forward? And do they go and spend money, spend big to try to match what Steve Cohen is doing, leading the Mets? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought Buster that the best scenario for the Yankees to get judge back was to win the world series. He wins the MVP and then they would have no choice, but to bring him back for whatever he wanted. But maybe, maybe I looked at that the wrong way. Maybe this is the scenario you get wiped out by the Astros. You look at your team and you say, we're not going to make the playoffs next year if we don't have Aaron judge on our team. So maybe the failure of the team uh, to some degree in the postseason is, is why the Yankees will now say, all right, we couldn't, we, we can't win anything without him. So we got to give him whatever he wants. I think that's where they are right now. And I don't think they're going to have much of a choice. There's no doubt that this offseason, if Aaron Judge wants to be with another team, there's going to be an opportunity for that. There's going to be an opportunity for another owner to jump in and make a massive offer. Uh, But I can tell you this, when you speak with executives of other teams, they don't think it's going to happen. They think Judge will re-sign with the Yankees. What about you? Yeah, look, the Giants need him badly. The Cubs have some money. They need him. How many bunch of teams could use him? Steve Cohen would love to take him away. But I listened to Judge last night for about 10 minutes in his postgame comments, and he, he didn't really have a tell of any kind. But I I think he – I can't tell what's going to happen here. But my guess is if the Yankees m- make an effort to bring him back, I think he's going to end up going back there. But I th- we're going to be talking about this every day, Buster, for the next month and a half at least. A nice season for the San Diego Padres. They reached the National League Championship Series. I don't think their offseason is that complicated. I think you basically bring back the team that you have, yes? 
Yeah, the team you have is is very good. That pitching staff is great. That bullpen is great. And once they get Tatis Jr. back at some point next year, I, I think they'll be even better. Um, you know, Soto a full year. Um, they, they're a good team. They just they just got beaten by a better team in the Phillies in the way that they played. But there's no glaring weakness on the Padres. They're a bat short, I think, and maybe maybe that's Tatis Jr. when he comes back. And uh, so we'll see. But I don't think a whole lot needs to be done with the Padres. They're a good team, good manager going forward. And I don't think there's a lot of pressure on them to sign Soto right away. He's two years from free agency. You go into next year. You try to win. The one thing I would say about Fernando Tatis Jr., I feel like the Padres, given everything that's going on with him, you know, the fact that he missed the entire 2022 season uh, between the injuries and the PED suspension, he's going to miss the first quarter of 2023. They're in a position, Tim, in a way that I don't think they ever have been, where they can basically say, look, you're playing the outfield when you come back, uh, and you need to prepare for that. Does that make sense? Yeah, look – Sun Young Kim did a really nice job at shortstop uh, defensively, certainly. Um, and I think they could use an everyday center fielder. I'm not sure Trent Grisham is the guy that's going to take you to the next levels. He went over 19 in the, in the, uh, in the NLCS. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I thought all along that someday Tatis is going to be moved to the outfield. A couple of Padre people have told me that along the way. And maybe, maybe that's how you restart with him is you say, all right, we're starting over, we're bringing you back and you're going to play center field for us. Yeah. They had started those conversations, as you know, before the PED suspension where they, he was preparing to play at least some outfield, uh, maybe even the majority of the time is outfield with some shortstop. I now going forward uh, that they'll, the conversations will center around him going to the outfield. The other day, the Texas Rangers sent out a press release. Bruce Bochy is going to be their manager going forward. Uh, I'm really happy for him. I've known him forever, Tim, as you know. Uh, you know, He was a third-base coach the Padres when I started covering Major League Baseball. I played in a rec league with him, basketball. He loves the fact that I can remember that he could shoot really well. He, was, he may have been almost as good a shooter as you, Tim, from 12 to 15 feet. So, you know, that's what he does well on the basketball court. <laughs> As a manager, I get why Chris Young, who knows him well, would want to jump on it and hire him. Yes, he's a Hall of Fame manager. He's just going to have to delay now his induction to the Hall of Fame because he's coming back. I think it's great for baseball, and I think it's really great for the Rangers. And, look, Bruce Bochy is not in the mindset to come back and finish in fourth place in the in the American League West. Um, he's coming back to win, and I'm pretty sure that after all the money they spent to get Seager and Simeon, now they're going to go out and get two pitchers, if not more, because Bruce Bochy's not going to come back and handle a bad pitching staff. His ultimate strength is nobody, but nobody handles a bullpen better than him. I think they'll spend the money. I think they'll upgrade their pitching, and I think they'll be a contender next year because I think Bruce Bochy is that good of a manager. And I think offensively, this team is pretty good. They just need to add some pitching, which with the money they have to spend, I think they should and they will. The Giants were incredibly respectful, I think, to to Boach on his way out, but it was also clear they wanted to move on, and they were ready to move on at the time that they did. Uh, and now, as you say, with the Rangers, uh, you know, the focus is going to be on adding pitching. Two names to watch, Carlos Tradon and Jacob DeGrom. Does that make sense? 
Yes, of course. And uh, I mean, those two guys would change anybody's roster, but it would be a significant change for the Rangers. It would make them a beyond a solid contender if they were to add both of those guys, which seems unlikely. But with the money they have, you know, and, and remember, you know, Chris Young is a former player. Chris Young loves Bruce Bochy, and he's going to let him manage the team and run the game. And that's why Bruce Bochy is coming back. We don't let our veteran managers or any of our managers do that enough these days. In my mind, the Rangers are going to let Bruce Bochy manage them, and that's the way it should be. Last one, Terry Francona announces he's going to be back as the Cleveland Guardians manager. I got to tell you, there were times during the course of this year if I won, when I wondered if that was actually going to be the case. What about you? Yeah, I, I wonder, and I always worry about Tito's health. Um, but I'm so glad he's coming back. And I don't care how corny it sounds. He's he's good for the game. The game needs him. We have you know, we have eight managers now, sixty years old or older. I think it's great for the game. I think there's the experience in the in the dugout is really important. And nobody but nobody deals with people and communicates with players better than Tito. The guard I think he's the manager of the year in the American League. And that's really saying something given the jobs that were done in Seattle, Baltimore, other places. But I think he did the best managerial job in the American League this year. And I'm so glad for the Guardians and for him that he's coming back. All right, Tim. Well, good to talk with you. I'll see you down in Houston. All right, Buster, take care. You can now stream the most Major League Baseball games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your Major League Baseball games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. That's D-I-R-E-C-T-V.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks, Sports availability varies by zip codes and requires choice package. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Scott Fransky is the play-by-play man for the Phillies on 94 WIP. Of course, he's at a front-row seat for everything that's happened with the Phillies in this uh, postseason. Scott, how much fun was that uh, with oh, what happened gosh. at Citizens Bank Park last night? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and certainly, I think maybe uh, heightened by the fact that not a whole lot of people expected it, and sometimes the surprise is the best part of it all. Yeah, so in your eye, I mean, this is, let's face it, the Phillies are the 12th seed out of the 12 teams to make the postseason. Uh, in your eyes, what was a moment when you you were like, huh, okay, maybe something's going on here? Uh, division series against Atlanta, probably the Hoskins uh, homer off Strider. Um, 
you know, again, Strider was a bit of an Achilles heel for the Phillies, and I know he wasn't at full strength, and obviously, you know, there's there's a lot at play there. But, you know, I mean, in a way, like the Padres, you know, sort of getting over the Dodgers, I think the Phillies getting past uh, Strider specifically. I mean, they played the Braves pretty well overall, but, you know, in that swing game, you've got to deal with Strider and, and uh, to have your, you know, some of your big guys come through. I think that was probably the time when, a lot of fans felt like um, that, you know, maybe there's something going on here. Tell me what you've seen of Bryce Harper during this postseason. Man, he's been incredible. I mean, he really has uh, just from the very beginning. Um, he's been relaxed. He's been himself. He's been swinging at strikes. He hasn't been, you know, do, trying to do too much. Um, you know, this is a guy that uh, I, I, I yesterday I was trying to make the point <laughs> Um, before he homered, uh, that in the first game of the playoffs, the wildcard series against St. Louis, he took a walk in that ninth inning rally. JT started it with a single. They're down 2 nothing, and you're thinking, oh, well, here's your guy. Here's Bryce Harper, the reigning MVP of the National League, and he's in this moment now. You're, you're expecting him to tie the game, and he took a walk. And um, I think it spoke volumes for where his swing was, where his thought process was in that, look, I can't. I can't try to go outside the zone and 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 do something that's maybe not possible. I need to you know rely on the rest of the team because Bryce Harper, he's the NLCS MVP, but he doesn't win that series alone. He was fantastic, but he doesn't win that series alone. He needed the other guys in the lineup to come up with big hits, and that day it happened to be Gene Segura, and Bryce was just a guy. He was just a part of the rally. Obviously, yesterday he was – uh, kind of more like the man, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I just think, uh, it's, you know, he's, he's been amazing. He really has. And it's quite a turnaround cause he didn't have a great month of September. I, I was talking with Tim Kirchin about this a little while ago, that one of the cool things that, you, you know, we get to see these guys from the beginning of their careers to the end, uh, and you know what? Just like everybody else, people change. And we were talking about, you know, the, the teenager Bryce Harper, making it to the big leagues, uh, a whole lot of attention to where he is now is a hell of an evolution. And you've seen it firsthand since you joined the Phillies. If you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, really from the time he got to the Phillies, uh, he he's always, you know, he's always talking about Philadelphia. He's always talking about the team and the Phillies. Um, you know, I, I know he knows he's a spectacular player and I know he knows, uh, he, he's an, he's a, you know, next level sort of guy, you know, he's one of the top five or 10 players in the game of baseball, you know, when, when you talk about his skill set, Um, but I think he's also tried the best he can, you know, he's not, he's not your, you know, quintessential clubhouse leader. He's just not that guy, but he knows it. Uh, the guys around him know it. Um, he does work. He does work hard. He puts in a ton of effort. He has a lot of emotion. Uh, he has a lot of, uh, you know, love for, for the game and the city. And I think that's all shown through in, in, you know, kind of his growing up. I mean, I remember, you know, what kind of a brash young guy he was watching him from the other side as a rookie with the nationals. Um, you know, and I, you know, I know he, you know, it, maybe it wasn't always easy for him, you know, as a young guy, maybe singled out throughout his life, um, kind of groomed to be a superstar from the very beginning. That's a lot of pressure. That's, 
not everybody can take. And clearly with the numbers he's put up in his career, uh, because he's able to take it. And, and I think somebody pointed out to me, you know, you look at him in that moment yesterday and everybody is going bonkers, right? Uh, the, the stadium, the, the team, his teammates are flying out of the dugout. Uh, they can hardly contain themselves. And there's Harper, almost stoic in a way, you know, almost like he knew this was going to happen, almost like he was built for this moment and it wasn't that big a deal. I'm not saying it wasn't a big deal for him. I'm sure inwardly there's a lot going on, but outwardly you just see, uh, you know, that moment where it's like, hey, man, I'm Michael Jordan. I'm going to hit the shot and and that's the way it's supposed to be, Right. And he did it. It was crazy. It was it was it was it was an iconic uh, sort of a, a franchise icon defining moment as a Philly. That's a great description. It's funny because as you were talking through that, I was thinking, what, what does that remind me of? And what popped into my head was that image of Jordan uh, about 25 years ago when he kept on hitting threes against the Utah Jazz. They weren't covering him. He looked over to the side like, really? He puts his hand right. outside. Well, yeah, I'm, that's that's who I am, right? Right. I mean, and again, it's not, I'm not, it's not like it's easy. Those guys work really hard uh, to be as good as they are. I mean, baseball is a, is an incredibly hard game and, you know, hitting a round ball with a round bat is an incredibly hard thing to do. Um, But, you, you know, you talk to him after the game and you hear his thought process about, you know, once I saw the change up, and I, and I was able to spit on that. I knew I was going to be able to get to him if he threw me another fastball. And, you know, you just see the trust and the confidence in him letting the, the, the ball get deep and, and, you know, hitting it out to left field. And, and, you know, there's no panic again. It's just, it's a great player in a huge moment. And he, he did it like he had done it in his mind a hundred times. The biggest uh, difference making element of this team. I don't think there's any question is the bullpen. Uh, what have you seen in that group? Yeah, I mean, obviously much maligned, and we've watched some really bad bullpens the last few years. Um, yeah. And they've tried a lot of different guys, and they've tried a lot of different combinations. And, um, you know, here in the postseason, given the schedule, and, and obviously they've gotten some starts that have helped get them deep into games so they can align their bullpen the way they like. Um, you know, yesterday, Sir Anthony, you know, who would have thought he throws three wild pitches I think he threw two all year um, and he throws three in an inning. Um, so, you know, but I do think the bullpen um, has shown a lot. You know, you go back to the clincher against Atlanta. It was a bullpen game. Uh, you go back to, you know, that game four, you know, right. The Padres are trying to get it back even again. And it's basically a bullpen game. Um, and, you know, it's much maligned for sure, but they've got two guys that they love in Alvarado and Dominguez. And they have another couple of guys that have done really good things. And in particular, Zach Eflin, he's been a big help. Um, so I think, you know, I think the bullpen's in much better shape. A lot of that has to do with, you know, making sure your starters are deep in the game so you can set it up how you like, but that's playoff baseball, right? Yeah, exactly. We were talking about how in 2019, the, the, the nationals had the worst bullpen in baseball for like four months. And then at the end of the year, that's the group that's dogpiling you know, on the right. field. That's, that's what happens. That's the volatility of bullpens. Uh, the fans there, uh, you know, from afar, I was not in Philadelphia. What was that like? The atmosphere? It was, as, it was as great an atmosphere 
um, as you can imagine. You know, I talked to uh, Joe Davis a few times. He was doing the call for Fox, and um, he said that's as good an atmosphere as he's ever been in, in an event. I know Joe's a young guy, but he's done a lot of big events already. Um, and I'd be I'd, I'd be hard pressed to find too many days, even at Citizens Bank Park, and there have been some great ones. But I'd be hard pressed to find too many days that that could match up to sort of the emotion of that moment yesterday. Um, I, it was just it was remarkable. Um, and again, I think for the fans, it's it's a long time waiting. You know, it's a lot of pent up frustration. Uh, they got used to winning around here. Uh, with five straight division titles and a World Series and two trips to the Fall Classic, uh, so they 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 became accustomed to it and they wanted it. They had an owner who's spending a ton of money to try to get them there, and um, you know I know for a lot of the season there's a lot of people saying, hey, well if they get in, big deal. They're the last team or the you know fifth wild card or whatever. Uh, they're going to get bounced in the first round. They're not built to go deep, and you know I mean. I think a lot of fans have uh, sort of released some of those frustrations of the last 11 years uh, over the last two weekends. All right, sir. Well, I will see you down in Houston. It's going to be a great World Series, I'm sure. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good, Buster. Can't wait. See you there. So we wanted to sprinkle in some voices of celebration after the Astros and the Phillies advanced to the World Series Here was Reese Hoskins after the Phillies eliminated the Padres talking about the Philadelphia crowd. Is it possible that the crowd gets louder every game? I hope. I'm assuming. I mean, that's how it's gone so far. So uh, I can't wait to see what it's like at the big game. Here's Bryce Harper chiming in on the crowd. You know, they, they just want you to work hard. They want you to play hard. They want you to be, you know, who you are. No excuses. Doesn't, they don't care if you're hurt or if you're not feeling good or if you didn't sleep the night before. Or, you know, they, they don't care because they pay their hard-earned dollar to get to the ballpark every day for us. And they're doing it right now, you know, for us during the, during the playoffs. And they just want you to work hard. They don't care. They just want you to grind for them. They want you to go out there and play the best baseball you can no matter what. And I loved walking in as an opponent player knowing that I was going to get absolutely blasted by these fans and it was what it was and I loved it and it, it made me want to come here and play because I knew how much they cared I knew how much they they love their players and how much passion and how much drive they all have you know and everybody talks about you know the blue collarness of, of this city and the fight that they have and it just rubs off on all of us I, I've said it multiple times you know we have 46,000 people in the stadium it's 46,026 because we're all in this together no matter what, where they're at, who they are, where they come from. If you got Phillies across your chest and you're a fan, you're part of our team, you're part of our organization, and you fight with us each day. Here's slugger Kyle Schwarber talking about how the Phillies got to this moment. You were down twice yesterday, down today. Yeah, I mean, the old... Whenever we're in this, uh, we're in this type of baseball, playoff baseball. This is what it takes. We have to find a way to win at the end of the day. And uh, the way that we've gone out there, we don't, we don't really care if we're up, we're down. You know that we have to play 27 outs, and uh, this group wants to play 27 outs. You know what? We might have to play more extra innings, whatever. But uh, if we go out there, take care of business, do our do our brand of baseball, Philly style baseball, we're gonna take the result at the end of the day, win or loss. But you know, we feel confident in ourselves. I mentioned Jeremy Pena was the American League Championship Series MVP. He talked about that award. Mr. Real. You know, you, you dream about this stuff when you're a kid and uh, 
you know, shout out to my teammates, you know, we, uh, we show up every single day, you know, we stay true to ourselves all year. And uh, yeah, we're a step away from our, the ultimate goal. Here's Astros manager, Dusty Baker. I mean, this is our second year in a row. And uh, it's hard to do. It's a long road to get here. Uh, th there's a lot that happens in the months, you know, to get here from, from spring training. And uh, it means that we persevered and, uh, and we stayed together. And we made the necessary trades when we had to, had to try to strengthen certain parts of our, of our team. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, these guys are very close-knit, you know, a bunch of guys. And, uh, you know, that was on our minds the whole Spring training was getting back to this point, and it's a wonderful thing when you accomplish a, you know, a goal. And uh, so we got one more goal to go, and then we can set some new goals. Zero, zero, nine, six. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com, and someone who's joining us on every podcast during the course of this postseason. Sarah, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, but I'm not thrilled at the prospect of no games for the next four days. I will say that. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Uh, and in that vacuum, we're going to be talking a lot about the Yankees. A lot of the conversation is what's next for the Yankees Sarah, you watched every game in this postseason. You watched every game in the Yankees and Astros series. Uh, do you think that Aaron Boone was the difference between them losing or winning that series? <laughs> you're laughing because you see my reaction as you're asking the question. No. I mean, I think the difference was the fact that this offense was built around Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge was the main contributor the entire year. And without a guy like DJ LeMayu during the series, all of ben that. Ben right. Exactly. And the fact that Judge went cold, I mean, I think that was it. And by the way, you were going to have to play perfect baseball to beat this Astros team. I mean, this team is so good. You and I were texting about this yesterday. They've been so dominant for so long, so I really don't think that's it. I know people love to spotlight on bullpen decisions, taking Cole out in the previous game, all of those moments. But ultimately, they did not hit against a very, very good pitching staff. Yeah, to take that number forward, I text you because I was thinking about the Astros' relative dominance since they first made this group, first made the postseason 2015 how many American League teams since 2015 have a winning record against the Houston Astros? None. None. <laughs> the best record was the Tampa Bay Rays at 500. And I also took it a step further. And if we went since 2017, so when they won the World Series, the best record or I should say the worst record that the Astros had against any opponent in the American League in that span was 533 against those Rays. So, I mean, they've been so good. And, you know, I, I know when a team gets eliminated so much, spotlight comes on the manager, and I understand that. But I really think you are going to have to be absolutely perfect even to win a game or two in this series. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is six. 
So speaking of that series and how dominant and inevitable the Astros have been, we talked about Jeremy Pena last week, the fact that he was the on a very short list of guys to have three extra base hits in the game as a rookie in the postseason. And of course, Carlos Brea was the last guy to do it. He also became the sixth rookie to win either LCS or World Series MVP. Of course, Randy Rosarena did it in 2020. We had Michael Walker in 2013. Levon Hernandez with NLCS and World Series MVP in 97. Mike Boddicker in 1983 and Larry Sherry in 1959. But of course, only Pena and Rosarena were position players. And I think that's really notable as well. Number two. Number two is eight for the eighth inning. And that amazing home run from Bryce Harper, really a career capping moment for a guy who already has two MVP awards. But, you know, I thought the call from Joe Davis was great. And it really just put the whole moment into perspective. So he was on a very short list of guys to hit a go-ahead home run with his team trailing in the eighth inning or later in a potential postseason clincher. The others were Juan Uribe in 2013 in the NLDS, Joe Carter, of course, with the walk-off home run in 1993 World Series Game 6 against the Phillies, and it was on the same date because that's how amazing baseball is. Then we had Jack Clark in 1985, Pete Rose in 75, and Hal Smith in 1960. Just an amazing moment for Bryce Harper. And one of those moments where even though they were trailing, you just had that feeling, maybe due to the pitching decision, whatever else it was, that that moment was going to happen for him. Number one. Number one is 21 and 29. That was the Phillies record through 50 games this year. Wow. That is tied for the fourth worst through 50 decisions for any team to win a pennant. They're tied with the 03 Marlins, who, of course, they share a lot of team DNA with. That team making a managerial change to Jack McCann and the teams to be worse for the 05 Astros, 18 and 32. Of course, the 19 and 31 2019 Nationals. And the 1914 Boston Braves at 20 and 30. And of course, all of those teams, except for the Astros, went on to win it all. All right, Sarah. Dick Peller was a longtime teacher and coach at North Mount Herman School, my alma mater. And he was the founder of the Hot Stove event that is now named for him. Uh, and you've been a big part of that the last five years. He shared some thoughts about you the other day. Although I have never had the pleasure of meeting Sarah face to face, I have so appreciated watching her participation in the hot stove event at Northfield Mount Hermon School, which I helped to begin along with Buster and others. Sarah's joy at discussing baseball, her knowledge of facts and figures and analytics, and her effervescence come through so clearly. There is much to be jaded about when thinking about our national pastime. And is it really still our national pastime? But all that ever comes through when listening to Sarah speak 
or reading her Twitter posts is simply an unabashed love of the game. I can't help but smile every time I read her posts, especially when she writes, baseball is the best. I can see her smile coming through my screen. While watching the playoff games, like everyone else, I was amazed at the inside-the-park home run by the Phillies catcher, J.T. Realmuto. I wondered if a catcher had ever done this before. And so I quickly checked into Twitter, and sure enough, Sarah had already posted its singularity. Sarah helps me remember the innocence with which I first discovered baseball and gives me hope for our great game. She is truly a treasure. Yeah, and so if Dick Peller were to make a prediction of this World Series, he's such a Red Sox fan, he might try to pick the Red Sox, Sarah. (laughs) Who do you have, Astros and Phillies? Oh, my goodness. First of all, thank you. And it's so wonderful to be part of that event. Thank you so much for bringing me into that, you know, NMH kind of family. Uh, Being part of that event every year, the last few years has been so wonderful. And I love getting to talk baseball in January, which we get to do with that event. And I'm biding my time, but I'm going to pick the Astros. I have to. I know I'll be wrong. I feel like this Phillies team might shock us all, but I, I'm i starting to wonder if the Astros are going to be the first team to win the World Series without losing a game since those 1976 Reds, who went 7-0. Very different situation, fewer rounds, all of that, but... That's what I'm thinking. I find it hard to believe the Phillies will lose two games in a row in Philadelphia, the way we've seen it, you know, with three and four. But that's what I'm thinking. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. All right, Sarah. Thanks for doing this. Uh, We'll talk to you later in the week. Thanks so much for having me. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a Monday. Bleacher tweets are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Now, with two short series here, we need to project ahead on the podcast schedule for the week. And the plan is we're going to take two days off here, you know, like the Astros, like the Phillies. And we'll be back at it Thursday morning. First thing. Um, with a loaded show looking ahead to the World Series, and then we'll do another show on Friday morning. Does that sound good, Buster? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, we got some good guests lined up. Pretty excited about it. Uh, Sarah Lang's right in the middle of it, as always. Of course. Uh, two things here before we get to the tweets. Uh, I had, as you know, if you listen to Friday's show, I went to my brother's wedding, Alex and his uh, lovely bride, Stephanie, on Friday. And two things I wanted to share with you guys. First of all, family friend of mine. His name is Graham Hayes. He is close with my youngest brother, Spencer. Uh, He graduated along with my brother back in December of 2019 when I first started doing the show. And I guess I shouted them out and said, you know, congratulations. And last night I saw my friend Graham Hayes. He came up to me and was like, Taylor, you won't believe it. Ever since you gave me that shout out back in December of 2019, my grandfather listens to every episode of the podcast and loves you guys. He loves Buster. And uh, I thought that was super cool, you know? That's pretty cool. Gained well, and pass on some thanks for us. Absolutely. Shout out to uh, Graham Hayes' grandfather. And one other, uh, this is like not baseball related. It was just 
a really wild thing that happened at the wedding. So the wedding is dying down. I go to the bar and I ask for, you know, I have a card. I don't have any cash. So I'm like, hey, can you charge me for a soda and I'll tip you on it for the night? You know, trying to be a good guy, take care of the bartenders. And they're like, yeah, totally. Um, By the way, someone walked in and paid for the entire wedding. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, he wants to be anonymous, an angel off the street, but just paid for everything we haven't told anyone yet you're the first to know which was like a weird oh thing my to say. god so i was like okay let me go get my brother and my mom and uh stephanie's family and so i you know i don't know how things transpired from there but you know we have a bunch of stuff we're taking it out of this restaurant we're on the street we're waiting for more people to trickle out and we can move on to the next place and some guy walks out of the restaurant and he looks like he's angry and we're being loud and annoying out front. And I thought he worked at the restaurant and he's looking at me. I'm like, hey, man, you all right? Like, is there, are, are we in trouble? It's like, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm just really wasted. But I want to let you know that I'm the guy that paid for the wedding upstairs. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what? What do you mean? And I, I was he was like, are you the group? I was like, no, but let me go get him. So. I didn't talk to him that much, but we found out this guy, this is, I, I don't know anything about this man. I know nothing. He paid for the wedding because he wandered up to, into the wedding, like randomly. He said he saw all the love in the room. He said that his wife has recently passed away and he inherited a lot of money. And, oh my God. And just decided to, to splurge casually on a wedding that night. And uh, it was a very touching and emotional moment. And so shout out to this guy. Don't know who he is, where he came from, whatever. I just thought that was something worth sharing on the podcast. Wow. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Sarah, what do you think? That's so sweet. I love when people do good things. I'm like getting emotional. That's so cute. It was it was something you see in a movie or, I, you know, I don't know what, but it, it happened and it was very cool. So um, a nice bow on the top of a phenomenal weekend for my brother and sister-in-law here. Um, let's go to the tweets. Uh, so I don't bore anyone else with all this. Debbie games Brown. Oh goodness. That was great story. <laughs> she writes in, I'm a longtime listener and friend of the baseball tonight podcast. And I need to commend Sarah for finally pointing out and recognizing the obvious connection between Taylor Swift and baseball. I mean, duh, Jeremiah of Roos chimed in. Anthony Rizzo used to use bad love as his walk-up song for years. So Sarah, a lot of accolades from the listeners for your connection on Friday. Lots of Taylor Swift fans. Um, I would like to point out the obvious connection on why the Phillies are going to win. It was a cosmic event because what? Taylor Swift released her album. I thought it was you, because Yuki became a lifelong fan. That too. That's part of it. I also dyed my <laughs> hair red for the Phillies. <laughs> Taylor Swift released an album. She's best friend, not best friends. I don't know if they're best friends, but good friends with the one Miles Teller who was in her music videos and he was at the game and they won all the games he was at. All I'm going to say, cosmic event, cosmic <laughs> event. Okay. The stars aligned for the Phillies. Uh, Corey Ruckert has a question about the Phillies. He writes in, asked, uh, excited the Phillies got in. Does this show that defense is overrated? No, no. I do think that it does demonstrate that there's some luck involved, right? Mm -hmm. In baseball, in a short series, you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, the Phillies, I don't think anybody would look at the Phillies defense as being, uh, good or, you know, no matter what stretch. And I think generally speaking, teams do, you know, feel like it's important to put, uh, you know, good defenders in good spots, which is why the Phillies upgraded its shortstop, you know, putting a stop during the course of the year. 
and, uh, you know, changing up in center field. I, I think they saw that defense was important. It's just that the poor defenders didn't manifest in uh, this postseason so far for the Phillies. Gregory Gosnell at Carl's Jr. 9982 writes in, Hey, Buster, would Girardi get a World Series ring if the Phillies win the World Series? Yes, he will. Wow. 100%. Anybody who was on the team. You know, we were joking about this uh, actually uh, a couple weeks ago when I was doing baseball tonight. You know who would have gotten a World Series ring if the Dodgers had won the World Series, guys? Who? Jessica Mendoza, one of the broadcasters. Oh. And I was giving her a hard time about that. I'm like, oh, man, you got a lot on the line. So oh. I did not tease her after they were eliminated, though, about that. You're a good friend, Buster. Uh, last one for today, Taylor Welch, whole Taylor gang theme here. Uh, he writes in, how about it, Buster? Bryce Harper's go-ahead home run, the most clutch postseason home run in history. Go freaking Phillies. I don't know about that right. statement, but the I like it. The enthusiasm is awesome. Yes. The uh, most clutch postseason home run in history, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> David Freeze, <laughs> ever no heard good, of him? Not good. Totally nutty. Kirk Gibson comes to mind. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. That's it for Bleacher Tweets. Send them in. We are going to have a show. It'll be up first thing on uh, Thursday morning. So get them in between now and uh, Wednesday evening. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. And Taylor, congratulations on your Phillies. Moving on and enjoy the World Series. It's going to be an absolute blast. Uh, that's it for today. My thanks to Sarah, Tim, Scott, our video producer, Adi, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.